How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything. Everybody shout anything. anything. It's possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe. But, shout but. Help me overcome my unbelief. Somebody say amen. amen. Please be seated. A, um, David Foster Wallace, uh, the late David Foster Wallace, who is an American uh, writer and novelist, gave one of the most popular commencement addresses in America's history, speaking for the Kenyon College a number of years ago. He told a story that has uh, now been labeled as this is water. The story goes like this. There are two young fish swimming deep beneath the water, side by side going in a certain direction. And an older fish is swimming back in the opposite direction. And as he passed these two youngsters, he says to them, hey boys, how's the water? And they responded, fine. A few minutes later, one of the young fish turned to the other and asked, What's water? <laughs> it was Foster's way of reminding us that there are certain elements of culture that become so commonplace that we totally forget that they are culture. And so it is with faith. Faith is one of those element that is so commonplace that we forget. You see, all of you, whether you are a Jesus follower or not, whether you're religious or not, all of you are people of faith. You exercise faith every day. Ask the person next to you, did you know you're a person of faith? Ask them. It's the water we swim in. For example, uh, recently the uh, Cambridge Analytic uh, scandal as it relates to Facebook has reminded us of just how many millions of people have faith in Facebook. Another word for faith is trust. Everybody shout trust. Trust, trust in Facebook. And suddenly we're all astounded to realize that maybe our privacy is not as private as we thought. Facebook is spending millions of dollars and doing a lot of political stuff just to win back the public's trust, our faith. 
If you've been following the Boeing Airlines challenge, uh, uh, 737 MAX 8, the, the three crashes that have happened over the last several years, and suddenly, finally, uh, the company has come forth and claimed responsibility, and now we know that they, they knew something about the mechanical challenge that ultimately led to these crash, but for financial reasons didn't address it sooner. And what a reminder for many of us who simply jump on a plane with our families and everybody without thinking one moment about it. It's simply an act of faith that everything will be fine. Faith. It's, if you have a healthy relationship with a, a spouse or a significant other or etc., then you mean that means you trust them, they trust you, you have faith in them. Parents have faith and trust in their kids. Kids have faith and trust in their parents. Colleagues have faith and trust in each other that they will carry out responsibilities at work. I mean, we all participate in this context. We all swim in the water of faith. Matter of fact, uh, uh, those of you who've ever gotten any medicine at the drugstore, uh, you know, these days it used to be they'd write on a piece of paper to, uh, uh, that you couldn't read. <laughs> but now they just go from one computer to the next. Next, you go there and tell them your name. And you don't know what to put on the computer. You just give them your name. And then they, they, some pharmacists go behind some wall and they put together some chemicals that could be deadly on their own and put it in a bottle and you take it home and shake it and take it. <laughs> Somebody shout faith. faith. Faith, faith, faith. We exercise it. We're faith and trust and confidence in our own skills and our own ability to figure things out and our capacity uh, to manage, we have faith. You know, think about this. The next time you pull up to a four-way stop sign or red light, you're watching the light, other people, light goes green, you just hit the accelerator, you move out, assuming by faith that the other folk are going to stop. Somebody shout faith. We swim in the water of faith. And it's become so common to us that we don't even recognize it. Well, so the question today is not, does faith matter? Because I've just suggested in a multitude of ways how faith actually is built into the fabric of our human existence. The question today is, does faith in God matter? The question today is, does faith as he, in God as he has revealed himself through Jesus Christ, does that matter? The question today is, where is your ultimate faith? Is it in your money? Is it in your political cloud? Is it in your intellectual capacity? Where is your ultimate faith? You know, I'm, I spent almost 20 years in Boston. I was talking to a friend of mine back then. And oftentimes we get into, uh, folk get into discussions around how much faith you need to have. We forget that the Bible says, Jesus says, uh, the faith the size of a mustard seed is sufficient 
for miracles to happen. And as I was talking with my friend who's a pastor, uh, he reminded me how back in Boston, uh, if you're there, say, mid-January, cold winters, uh, lakes and ponds, they tend to freeze over. As a matter of fact, some of the lakes, uh, they freeze uh, over in such a way that you're able to turn them into ice skating rings, and people ice skate on them. So if you would imagine just for a moment that, that you go to one of those lakes and uh, but this time it's early spring, mid-March, early April, and, and, and the lake is basically thawed out except for it's got about maybe, maybe an inch of ice on it. And you go there with lots of faith. Everybody shout, lots of faith. You go there with lots of faith, and you're determined to walk across the lake, and you have your lots of faith, and you begin to walk out on that lake, and with lots of faith, you're going to go... On the other hand, if you want to go to the same pond or lake in mid-January, where the lake can be frozen uh, at least three feet deep and sometimes even more, and if somebody convinces you, you go and you have just a little faith. Everybody shout, little faith. You go with just a little faith. And somebody says, well, just take one step with your little faith. You take one step on that frozen lake and, and it feels pretty good and then you take another step and it feels pretty good and with your little faith you say wait a moment you go back you get in your jeep and you drive across the <laughs> you see the point don't you it's not the amount of faith that you have that ultimately matters it's the object of the faith it's what you put the faith in that determines whether or not you go through or not. It, 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 it will, the very thing that you put your faith in, will it hold you in the trials and challenges of life? Our writer today is the writer of Mark. He's writing to a Christian community that's undergoing lots of persecution. They are Jesus followers and they have good reason uh, to think about where their ultimate faith should be. And Mark is making the case uh, as he's pulled these stories together about the life of Jesus and shaped it in a way to, to speak to that community. He's making the case that Jesus can be trusted, that he is a safe place to put your ultimate faith. Now, the story begins uh, with Jesus coming down uh, from the mountain. This, we often refer to this as the Mount of Transfiguration. And there on top of the mountain, he was with Peter, James, and John, his three closest disciples. And he had revealed his deity. Uh, in this moment, he had become totally light, transformed into total light. The glory of, of his deity shined forth. He was, it was unmistakable. Surely he was fully human, but he was fully God. And that became clear. And so then after that was all over, they're walking back down the, the mountain. And verse 9 says, uh, Mark wants us to hear Jesus say to his disciples, now don't tell anybody what you saw up there. Keep it to yourself until after the Son of Man uh, has risen from the dead. And the verse says, as they were going down, they wouldn't ask Jesus, but they were thinking about it. What does he mean, risen from the dead? 
That was Mark's way of giving us a clue. Mark was, 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 was reminding us in that text that later on you're going to hear about Jesus uh, healing and delivering folk from, uh, uh, from evil and feeding the hungry and, uh, and all of these things. But ultimately, what makes Jesus worthy of your faith is that at the end of it all, he died on Calvary's cross for your sins and for my sins and, and, and was buried in a tomb, but death could not hold him. The stone was rolled away. He came out. 500 plus folks witnessed him alive. And, 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 and disciples who were so coward by fear, afraid that if they were associated with him, they would be killed. But after his resurrection, they came out boldly saying, let life do to us what it will, because the one who died has conquered death, and our faith is in him. Ultimate faith. Trust him in life and in death. That's what Mark is getting at, is he? writes this story and so Jesus comes down and as he comes down there's a crowd at the bottom of the mountain the nine uh, disciples that he had left was in an argument with the Jewish leaders and what had happened was that a father had brought his son who was uh, under attack by an evil spirit to Jesus but Jesus wasn't there so he asked his disciples to help the Jesus' disciples they couldn't so the Jewish leaders began to challenge the disciples around credibility. Well, they said, basically, you have no credibility, and since you represent Jesus, he has no credibility either. He couldn't even cast this demon out. And so um, when Jesus finds out about it, he, he uh, calls uh, the father to himself, and he gets into a dialogue about what's really going on here. And the, verse 19 says, Jesus says, Listen, Jesus says, bring the boy to me. Come on, everybody shout, bring the boy to me. This is Paul's way of reminding that at the end of the day, whatever challenge you have, the best place you can go is to Jesus. All right, now, let me tell you, since we're talking about faith in God, as God shows them Jesus, let me tell you what faith in God is not. Faith in God is not the same as a desire. You can have a strong desire for something, but that doesn't equal faith. It doesn't equal trust. Faith in God is not the same as a feeling. You, you, sometimes our feelings influence our faith. Sometimes our faith may influence our feelings, but feelings and faith, they are totally separate things. For example, you can wake up tomorrow morning and you can feel, everybody shall feel, completely separated from God. As though God has totally left the universe and yet you can still trust that God is near. You see, faith and feelings are radically different things. Thirdly, faith is not pretending that something is true when it is false or vice versa. For example, uh, let's say you go to the, to the doctor. My wife is a doctor. She tells me these stories all the time. And you go to the doctor, and the doctor examines you. And the doctor says, uh, like, like me, I have high blood pressure. The doctor tells you, you've got high blood pressure. Well, that is not the time to say to the doctor, 
Well, I'm going to call things that are not as though they are. That is not the time to say to the doctor. <laughs> the Lord, the, 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 the Bible teaches that life and death comes out of the mouth. All those verses are correct, but that's the wrong application. That is the wrong application. And so if you walk out of the doctor's office, talk my life and death comes out of the mouth, and I know what the doctor said, I've got high blood pressure, but I'm, I'm declaring I do not have high blood pressure. Be careful, be careful. <laughs> Somebody shout, be careful. Because you're on your way to a stroke. <laughs> Faith begins with facing the truth. Faith begins in a place of honesty in, in, in your relationship, a place of honesty. You're struggling with mental health challenges, a place of honesty. You're dealing with physical stuff in your, in your body. Honesty. You're trying to fix your finances. Honesty. Lord, here's, here's the situation. You have to be honest with God about the situation before you can expect God to move in it or to move through it. Shout honesty. 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 So that's what faith is. Faith is, it's really, it's really seeing life with a new set of eyes. Seeing God with a new set of eyes and responding to God in a different way. Now, let me say something else about this passage. Verse 21 reveals something. So Jesus questions this father. And as he questions him, he says, well, how long has this been happening? Jesus asked. He replied, the father, since he was a little boy, the spirit's thrown him into the fire and the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. If you can. Well, Jesus pulls something out here. First of all, we learn that this has been going on for a long time. Everybody shout a long time. A long time. And this suggests most likely that the father has tried everything he knows. Nothing has fixed this situation. And so he says to Jesus, if you can. Jesus says, well, obviously you don't know who I am. Anything is possible if you, know who, if you know who I am. Anything. I'm the one through whom creation was made. Anything is possible if you know who I am. And the father says, in a moment of just stark honesty, in a, in a voice that really speaks for all of us, because we all have this combination that he describes, he says, he says, well, I believe, but help me to overcome my own belief. You know what he's talking about? What he's saying is, well, Jesus, I've tried everything I've known. I've had a problem for a long, long time. Uh, experience and history tells me there's no solution for this. Some of y'all know this in your own challenges. Your own, you, you're looking at something a long time. The experience and history says there's no help. But this thing is getting worse. And I heard about you, Jesus, and I have enough faith to bring him here. I showed up here today. But I just want you to know, Jesus, that, that I, I, I showed up here uh, 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 with, with a little faith, but I got a whole lot more questions. 
So I don't know that you actually can, but I'm desperate. You hear it? Desperate. Oh, this is an insight I want you to make sure you get. So, so what we find in this text, beneath the text, is that this guy comes to Jesus out of a place of desperation. And, and, and I, I've heard people say before, uh, they're in the midst of desperation. And, and somebody says, well, you ought to turn to, to Jesus. You ought to turn to God. God can help you. And they really want to turn to God at that moment. But they've said, uh, they say, well, you know, I've never, I haven't been to church and... And I, I didn't take God seriously when things were going well. So I, I'm, I, I don't want to be one of those people who run to God when things are not going right. So I'm just going to stay over here and, and die. <laughs> but when you notice the text, God does not say to this father, Oh man, you just showed up here out of desperation. Why don't you go back and get deep in your spirituality? Didn't come back. He didn't say anything like that. He welcomed him. So here's some good news for somebody. If you're in desperate times, come on now, desperate time calls for desperate means. Run to Jesus. Come on, everybody shout, run to Jesus. He welcomes you. He welcomes you. Let me tell you a story about desperation. A fellow by the name of Devon Steele. You may recognize that name. He's a former NFL football player, played for uh, Cincinnati Bengals. He tells a story about his desperation. He, he says that as a boy growing up, his grandmother used to always uh, share with him how uh, God would talk to her. And he was always interested because he, he felt like God had never spoken to him. And one day his grandmother said to him, said, boy, God talks to us in a lot of different ways. But in order for you to hear him, you have to open your ears and listen. Somebody shout, open your ears and listen. Sometimes we need life to open our ears so we can listen. And so he said he was about in the fifth grade. His parents weren't church growers, weren't people of faith. Their uh, marriage ended in divorce. And he started to act out. You know, oftentimes when we go through divorce, that's part of what our Stephen's ministry uh, will be trained to help us with. Uh, you know, uh, we find that our kids are acting out. And so in his case, he was uh, stealing and getting in all kinds of trouble. And so his mom found out about it. His mom told his grandmother. His grandmother said, send that boy over here. His grandmother started taking her to church every weekend. And Devon said to him, that felt like punishment. And so he decided she can make me go to church, but she can't make me listen. And so he was sitting up, ignoring everything. But then on one Sunday evening, it's one Sunday, the preacher started talking about how, how God uh, will answer prayer and how God will get you out of a jam. Has anybody ever been in a jam? And, Needed God to get you out. Come on. And, and, and that caught Devon's attention. And he said, he realized he was in a jam. And he, and he could see the path that he was on. And there was a lot more jams ahead. And so he figured, you know, I might need to check this God out. So he gave his life over. And he said he had a relationship with God. It was a warm relationship. But, you know, life went on. And 
Later on, he was uh, drafted by uh, the NFL, by uh, uh, Cincinnati, etc. And the first two years, tough time, up and down. And in the meantime, he got a young lady pregnant, didn't want to marry her. He later says that that was a mistake that God pulled out of that mistake, an awesome miracle called his daughter. And uh, and, uh, his daughter's name, Leah. And so he goes on. One game, playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers, he gets injured. His back. By nighttime, he can't walk. Next morning, they rush him to the doctor. They discover he's got blood clots in his lungs. And so he says to his girlfriend, who ultimately becomes his, his fiancée and wife at the time, he says to her, why does all this bad stuff keep happening? I just can't get nothing right. Why does it keep going wrong like this? I, 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 I'm, I'm a believer. And she looks at him. She says, well, maybe it's time for you to become serious about your relationship with God and move to a serious relationship and away from a get-me-out-of-a-jam relationship. Now, what she was saying, so that you do not misunderstand, God welcomes us in that first step. Some of us, the first step is, God, get me out of the jam. And he says, come on, come on, come on. But, but some of us, we've been there for like 20 years. We just still don't know him. Get me out of the jam. <laughs> and what she's saying, it's time for you to take another step of maturity. Go to the next depth of your relationship. You know, stretch out. You know, make that your place of your ultimate faith. And this struck a chord in him, and he joined a church, and he said they surrounded him with prayer. And he said it was amazing. The church, for the first time, became like a new team for him. And he said, and, 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 and he went back a couple of days to the doctor, and, uh, and the, um, uh, the, 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 the stuff that was in his, the clocks in his lungs was gone. And he said, my gosh, how amazing it is to have a church who has your back. Oh, for some of you, you're trying to find a reason. Why ought I be a part of a church? Well, I'm just telling you, that's part of what we're illustrating through the Stevens ministry. That's part of what we illustrate through our, our visitation ministry. That, that when you release, I can talk for this one. When you join this congregation, we don't just want to pray with you. Come on now. We want to also have your back. That's where the love of Jesus becomes real as people come alongside of you in your crisis and they were with him and so things seemed to perk up but three weeks later somebody shout three weeks later he got the news that his five-year-old Leah his daughter the apple of his eye had cancer fourth stage in her abdomen the only Potential way of saving her life was a double dose of radiation and chemo treatment back to back. He said he fell on his knees. But the one thought he came is that I don't have to go through this alone. I got a church with me. Wow, church with me. Let me tell you a couple of things that, 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 that faith in God produces or is all about. 
Number one, faith in God, listen now, will not keep pain out of your life. It will not. But faith in God, listen now, will strengthen you in the midst of pain and will help you to go through and come out on the other side. Uh, uh, as one old preacher says, faith in, God, God, faith in God will not keep pain out of your life, but faith in God will keep you as you go through the pain. Uh, here's what Paul writes in uh, Romans 8.28. It's part of how people who have faith in God thinks. And we know that God causes. And I always say, you be careful where you put the commas and the periods here. Because if you put the period here, we know that God causes everything. You put a period there, that's bad theology. South bad theology. God doesn't cause everything. He didn't cause that little girl to have cancer. Come on now. So what the text says, but we know that God causes everything, watch this, like a, like a baker putting stuff together for a cake. Causes everything, watch it, work together for the good for those who love God and a call according to his purpose for them. God has a way of working the bad and the good. That's part of what makes God God. Come on out together. Well, let me tell you. So the bond shares the story. He says his baby girl had five days in the hospital, 21 days of recovery. And the second thing about God, about faith in God, is not only will it uh, not keep you out of pain, but it'll keep you as you go through the pain. But faith in God will, will help you live in the tension of unanswered questions. Can somebody say unanswered questions? It, it, it helps you live in and with the tension produced by unanswered questions. Now here, here, uh, here, here's, here's what Paul writes uh, in 1 Corinthians 13. Here's this point. He says, he says, uh, now we see things imperfectly. This is a person of faith in God. Like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then when I'm standing face to face with God, he's saying, I will know everything completely. Just as God now knows me completely. In other words, Paul is saying that I've got to become, I've, I've, got, to, uh, I've, I've got to be able to live in the tension of unanswered questions. You know, Devon... The, the father in our story, he had unanswered questions. His unanswered questions that, that, that was a part of that helped me overcome my, my unbelief. His unanswered question was, God, why did this happen to me? His unanswered question was, why did this happen to my son? Is there something in my biology? Is there something in my history? Is there something in my spirituality? Why is this going on in my life? Somebody shout unanswered questions. And, and Devon, he, he saw unanswered questions all around him. He said he took his daughter to the playroom at the hospital one day and he saw an eight-year-old girl hooked up to a chemo drip and she was there all by herself because her single mom had to work during the day and she had no family there. Unanswered questions. He said he saw another family uh, uh, fighting with the doctors to be able to take their dying daughter home, but they couldn't because there was no hospice care in their community. Unanswered questions. He said he saw uh, another uh, families who had trouble, financial trouble, and, and in the midst of all the, the pain that the kids was going through, unanswered questions. 
And then he says, he says, as he thought about it, a thought came to him. He picked up the phone and called a journalist that he knew, and he started telling him about the kids and these stories at the, at the, at the, at the, at the children's hospital in Cincinnati where his daughter was. And the journalist wrote about it. And then he told his football team about it. And, and then he started uh, on Instagram showing pictures. And before he knew it, tens of thousands of people were beginning to let him know that they were praying all across the country. And then before he knew it, uh, 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 the football team and other folk got together and they raised $400,000 to help support those kids in that hospital. That's right, celebrate that. Oh, do you see? All of this happened because Devon's daughter ended up in, in, in a sick ward in the midst of unanswered questions. God works everything together for the good. Wow. I want you to catch something. Mark, the father says, Jesus, help us if you can. Everybody shout, if you can. Mark wants that to ring in your ear. Because he wants you to remember that in chapter 1, the very first story starts off talking about Jesus. Is Jesus is approached by a man with leprosy. And in verse 40 and 41, uh, here's the story goes. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Everybody shout, if you're willing. Come on now. The next thing, then Jesus moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. He said, I'm willing to be healed. Mark wants you to see those two put side by side. Because there are some folk who say, Jesus didn't answer the prayer that I want him to answer. God didn't move when I wanted him to move. And, 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 and some situation went bad. And it's making me think there must not be a God. That must, oh, if there is a God, he must not have any power. Oh, 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 if he has power, he must not be loving. But, 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 but Mark wants you to hear, no, 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 in Jesus, he declares to us, God declares to us, uh, uh, it's never a question of can I. It is always a question of will I. And, 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 and sometimes I will. Come on now. And sometimes I will not. And it's in the I will not moments that we find ourselves asking the question, why? Everybody shout, why? why? And Jesus authorizes us to ask that question because he, he cried out on the cross, my, my, my father, my, my God, why hast thou forsaken us? But, but because he died on the cross, come on now, because he got up, there are a couple of things we know. Number one, if, he, if he's not willing, it's not because he doesn't love me. If he's not willing, it's not because he doesn't have the power. If he's not willing, it must be that he's doing something bigger than what I can understand. So I'm going to trust him in the midst of my unanswered questions. Trust him. And sometimes I will, Jesus says. I can, but sometimes I won't, Jesus says. And I need you to trust me in my yeses, but I need you to trust me in my noes. So, and so 
Faith in God will not keep pain out of your life, but it'll strengthen you in the midst of pain. It, it, it will enable you to live in the tension of unanswered questions. And thirdly, and, and this is a Christian myth, and I want to just kick off. A lot of folks say faith in God will erase your fear. I say not true. I say part of the way you know you're exercising faith is you feel fear. So when the Bible says at least two or three hundred times, fear not. He's not, God is not saying don't feel the fear. He's saying feel the fear. But then move on anyhow. Come on now. Uh, 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 don't deny that you feel. Look at First Timothy. Here's what First Timothy says. Come on. Here's what First Timothy says. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. I love this translation. And shout timidity. In other words, that's saying I want to go, but I stop. I want to go, I want to stop. I want to go, but I stop. But, but, but no, no, he's giving you power. He's giving you love. He's giving you self-discipline. Come on. That, 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 that you, you, you have the capacity to push past your feelings. And move forward. So here's the truth. While faith will not erase your fear, it will limit the impact of your fear on your life. Come here, Devon, finish this story. The little girl went through chemo treatment, radiation. It didn't work. The only thing left is a surgery. The night before surgery, Navon is talking to her. She's afraid, and he's afraid. And he is whispering in his mind to God, God, I know I'm not my grandmother, and I know you're not going to talk to me that way, but I could use a little help here. I need something to say to my granddaughter, my, my daughter. Can you help in my language, in my lingo? Can you help a brother out? That's my cultural context. Come on now. And then the little girl said, Daddy, are they going to actually cut me with a knife? And he showed her a big scar that was on his leg that he had had surgery earlier. And they put some screws in his leg. And he told her, they're going to put you to sleep. And yes, this and that, but it's going to be all right. And she said, I know it's going to be okay, Daddy. She said, because I want this cancer out of me. And then she said, and God wants this cancer out of me. He told me. And he's, he said, whoa. He said, you, you talk to God? She said, yeah. She said, she said, God told me that he believes in me. Did you hear that? He believes in her. Uh, by the way, God believes in you. And, 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 and he said, he believes in me. And no matter how bad it gets, just stay strong. In other words, just rest in his strength. Come on now. Uh, and then she said to him, uh, and, and daddy said, he did? She said, yes. He said, daddy, you know God talks to us in a lot of different ways. <laughs> and all of a sudden, his eyes comes open. Come on now. His ears come open. All of a sudden, he begins to connect the dots. And he realizes, come on now, that the, that the fiancé that came into his life, that was God talking to him. That was God saying, come on, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Come on now. That, that when the church 
uh, uh, surrounding him. That was God talking to him. That was God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That, 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 that when people begin to send money by tens of thousands to the hospital, that was God says, I know your name, your address, your DNA, and I've got you in my purpose. Come on now. God was talking to him all along. Suddenly, he realizes that the God he had been waiting to talk to him was now talking to him through his five-year-old daughter. And the last thing, you know, faith in God will position you for a miracle. Well, you know, how the story ends with Devon. She had the surgery, and the surgery was successful, and... Uh, a year later, no cancer. That was in 2014. This is 2019. No cancer. And so, miraculous healing. And, 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 and we know what happens to the boy in the story with Jesus. He, Jesus says to the father, bring him to me. And as they bring the boy, he falls out in convulsions. The spirit attacks him. Jesus speaks to the spirit. He says, come out of him. Don't you enter him no more. And that's Mark's way of saying, I want you to understand that there's one force in all of creation that has authority over evil. And that's the word of Jesus. Come on now. That he has the last word. And that's why I want you to put your ultimate trust in him. And then, and then verse 27 is a powerful verse as we're in this thing. It's a wonderful verse. Uh, verse says, 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 but Jesus, uh, then they, he laid there like he was so still they thought he was dead. And it says, Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet. And he stood up. Oh, I love that. I love that. My goodness. You know, sometimes what Mark wants you to see, Mark is saying, now follow him all the way to the cross. Why? Because sometimes the miracle will be that he's going to heal you. He's going to rescue you. That's going to be his final word over. But sometimes he's not going to do that. And death is going to come. But don't worry. If you die in Christ, come on now. Somebody walk in here and just started shooting and you die. Don't worry. That's not the end of your life. Because he is the only force in all eternity and creation that has the final word over evil. His resurrection proves it. Come on. That he alive. He proves it. So just put your trust in him. He's got you. So you live without being concerned about dying. You live faithfully. And then here's the last piece. You know, the scripture says Jesus goes up and sits on the right-hand side of the Father, place of authority. And then he sends the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what gives birth to the church, the congregation. He brings us, all of us in here in our feebleness. And, and in our faith in Jesus, he binds us in something called the church, y'all. And then, so Jesus is no longer here physically to walk beside and pick us up. But you know what? The Holy Spirit empowers us. That's why we have the Stevens ministry. That's why we have the visitation ministry. And that's why we have small groups. That's why we have Christian around us. Not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Yes, they're going to get on your nerves sometimes. Yes, they might make you upset sometimes. But when you're going through a grief time, when you're going through a struggle, when you need to be reminded that you're loved, good God Almighty, in, in the right church, come on now, they just push past all of that and they, they come and, and metaphorically they, they pick you up and they help you to stand up in the midst of divorce, stand up in the midst of pain, stand up in the midst of sickness, and they declare, we will walk with you. 
because we're representative of the Jesus who will never leave you nor forsake you. And he will have the last word. Somebody shout victory. victory. That's his last word. Give God a hand, praise. <laughs>